At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to tune into our current series, Built for More, Church Beyond the Weekend, where we will see what the Psalms teaches us about how life is enriched when we live and serve in community with our church family. So I've been praying for a while. I've been praying and I've been pressing God, God, show me, show me and teach me how you're moving me, how you're moving our church in this next season. Because we are in the season where we, we have to really press on God. Because if we're not careful, we may miss the message and miss the mark completely. And so what God has been showing me and what God has been teaching me lately is something I'm going to share with you today. But he's been showing me that he has been blessing us right now so that we can be a blessing. And so that we, more specifically, can be a conduit of his blessing to the world. And so, you know, the, the reason I feel like God is telling us that and the reason he, he's sharing this with me is because he wants to show us that his steadfast love for us doesn't end with us, but continues to manifest itself, not for our glory or not for our purposes, so that he can bless his people through us from here to everywhere else we step and tread. So in 2022, in 2022, this year, I want our church to be a blessing like we've never believed or imagined possible because God is going to move mightily through us. Having said that, I want to bring us to a passage in 1 Peter. And this passage, I've been wrestling with this passage for a while. And, you know, it's very long. Usually we only do like a few verses at a time, but we're going basically two half chapters. Okay, and uh, it's all going to make sense in a minute, but you're going to have to bear with us as we read it all together because some of it is kind of dense and some of it's real easy. So 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, that's where we're going to start. Peter writes, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor the Christ, the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. For as Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, when the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from your body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Chapter four. 
Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached, even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thanks for reading with me. Has anyone in this room, has anyone online ever received a blessing? Raise your hand, right? All of us, all of us. Um, I'm sure... As you received the blessing, no matter what shape or form it came, it undoubtedly changed your life. In fact, it changed what your life could have been and what it was. Whether that blessing was in the form of money, a job, a relationship, or even a breakup, or, or maybe even a word of advice, and maybe even worse yet, was in the form of a bad medical diagnosis, that blessing, however it's contained, changes the way we live. Right? You would all agree that's what a blessing is. It changes the way you live, to change the way your life is. Well, in the Bible, we, we see blessings all the time. And in fact, when we pray, we pray and ask God for blessing. And we sing songs saying, God, bless us, bless you. But what does that really mean? What does it mean to be a blessing? What does it mean to receive a blessing? And so this is what I want to press on today, because in 2022, we have to tangibly know what it means to receive God's blessing but also to be a conduit of it because that's what God is calling us to do. And so the idea of blessing, it's actually, it's like it, it can be categorized in three ways. Blessing can be categorized in three ways. First is fertility, second is land, and third is a favor in relationship to God. And we see this very easily in Genesis chapter 12 when God blesses Abraham. And God blesses Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 by saying to Abraham, who's an old man at the time, saying, hey, Abraham, you are going to have descendants. He had no children at the time. He was about 80 years old. And God says, you're going to have children. And your descendants are going to be as numerous as the sands on the seashore and as many as the stars in the sky. And then he continues and says, not only will you be this fertile, you're also going to have land. Your territory is going to increase. This land where you're camping, basically in someone's backyard, that's going to become your land, the land of your descendants. And then if that wasn't good enough, God tells Abraham, not only that, what I'm going to do is the nations will be blessed through you. You're going to become a conduit of blessing because I have a relationship with you. And that is special. That's what God says to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. You can look this up. And so in the New Testament, we see this translate. It transfers. And the New Testament, we often see writers say, 
people in the church, the people of faith, are descendants of Abraham because of faith, because Abraham is the father of faith. Abraham being the father of faith and us being children of faith are related to this blessing that God gives to Abraham and therefore we're a blessing, right? And so what happens in the New Testament, what we see is because we're descendants of faith, we are blessed because of that. But moreover, we're blessed by God's presence and we're blessed to inherit the territory, not, not a finite territory here on earth, but an infinite territory in the kingdom of heaven because that's what heirs of God are, heirs to the kingdom of God. We're called his children. And so this is beautiful because now through faith, we receive God's blessing, the same blessing that he promised Abraham. And in faith, we become conduits of that blessing to the world, to the nations. And we can't forget this, but it's so easy in this day and age to forget that we receive a blessing, that blessing is among us, and that it's our duty and our obligation to be a conduit of that blessing to the world because that's what we are. We're not just here living, right? And I know our circumstances, sometimes it doesn't feel like we're blessed or being blessed, but we are blessed because we have this special relationship with God made only possible through faith in Jesus Christ, right? And so what Peter sets up here is this, if your life does not seem or feel like a blessing because you're suffering and the circumstances that you're facing stink, it's not over, it's not the end. You are being blessed and you need to be reminded of that. And so in chapter three, what we see from verses eight to 22 is Peter is going through the theoretical idea of what blessing is and how it's bestowed and how we live into it. And in chapter four, what he does is he turns around and says, well, this is how it applies practically. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna, I'm gonna share two things that we don't want to do if we wanna be a conduit of blessing that we often find ourselves doing and then show you a mindset that Peter shares with how to be a conduit of blessing because we're receiving blessing. And I know that's a mouthful, so um, I'm just gonna take it from here, all right? See, so if you follow along, you'll, you'll understand in a second. The first point is this, we can't allow sin and we can't feel obligated to allow sin in our life. And I know this is easier said than done and I know this is not possible because we're all sinful people and you know, we start saying, well, how, how can this be? But when, when we start thinking about the idea of sin, we're naturally inclined to do it. But some of us, some of us, because the world we're living in, we feel obligated, hey, if that's sin, then, you know, we're going to have to sin. And we're going to have to sin to make a buck. We're going to have to fit sin to, to live. But what I'm saying here is we're blessed enough that we don't have to feel obligated that sin is necessary in our lives. I'm going to show this to you in, in theory. In chapter 3, verse 8, let's read this. Finally, all of you have a unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. That's not a mistake here. This is what Peter actually wrote, and there's a reason. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for this is what you're called to, that you may obtain a blessing. And so in theory, we, we stop sin in our lives. We stop allowing sin to be in our lives when we have unity, when we're filled with sympathy, when we're loving one another, when we're compassionate, and when we're humble. And when we embody that mindset, we do not allow sin to define our lives. Because doing these things do not allow sin or time or space for sin, right? So the, the one thing we have to understand about this mindset is as soon as we think about these things, we start sinning because we, we, it's so much easier. It's so much easier not to be in this mindset. It's so much easier to be narcissistic, individualistic, self-absorbed, right? Uncompassionate and proud. It's so much easier. You just have to ask any two-year-old how to do this. 
right? Anytime you tell them no, and this is why, because we don't embody this. Naturally, we're inclined to sin. And so we ask God, bless us with the ability not to sin, and he does, because this is a mindset that comes from Jesus. This is a mindset that comes from Christ. Look at chapter four. This is how Peter writes it down practically. In chapter four, verse one, he says, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. Forever, whoever suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so as to live for the rest of time in the flesh no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. Christ suffered the same temptations we face in sin, but he didn't succumb. He did not succumb, and that's a blessing for us because if he did succumb, we would not have salvation we would not be able to be called righteous. He would not be holy, but Jesus is holy. Jesus lived through this, the, this boiling sin of the world. And instead, what he was doing, and we see this in the Gospels, he was constantly loving people. He was constantly sympathizing with people. In fact, when we look at the healings, it's because he feels compassion for those who are ailing. He had unity of mind and, you know, he didn't have to subject himself to walking around as a homeless man for three years, but he did. He didn't have to be subjected to terrible, terrible treatment by his creation, but he did. And that's what God does in relationship to us, for us, to bless us, to bless sinners. That is what we're inheriting. This is such good news. And so we know that this is a blessing from God. And so what we understand from Peter is this, the ways people sin or the ways we fall into this trap of sinning, it hasn't changed in 2,000 years. It's all the same. Anything you think about doing and if you're going to regret it tomorrow, it's usually going to likely be a sin. So if you think about going out and getting blackout drunk, you're going to sin because guess what? You're going to regret it tomorrow. In fact, that's how they did it, right? This is what happened back then. This is, this is what he's saying. You're suffering for sin, but you shouldn't. You shouldn't, right? And so what we see here is since we're blessed by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we're blessed not to sin because God empowers us not to. He gives us the ability to fight through it, to not succumb to the temptations, to not be obligated to sin and allow sin to define who we are and what we do. And I want to pick up Peter's next point because this, this is just as important, right, for, from keeping ourselves to, to bless other people. Verse four in chapter four, with respect to this, and he's talking about the world, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you, but they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. So don't be discouraged when your faith is maligned. You, you see, culture is gonna malign your faith. They're gonna say, well, why do they believe what they believe? They're way too smart for that, but they believe what they believe about Jesus and it doesn't make sense. And they say, what you're doing doesn't make sense. Just join us, just join us. But that's what makes us discouraged. And so what happens is we have this faith, we have this blessing that we have from Jesus Christ who saves us and we shrink back because they're like, that's funny. Doesn't that make you a very narrow person? Doesn't that make you intolerant because of what you believe? And the answer is no. And we get discouraged from sharing the blessing that we have in our lives. This is what happens all too often, all too frequently. We have opportunities to bless people, but we're afraid and we're discouraged by what people might say or do when they say, well, why did you do that? Why did you do that? And so when we miss opportunities to bless other people, it's, it's because we're discouraged when in fact we should be encouraged by the faith that God blesses us with. 
what we have to understand is the history of Christianity, the history that our ancestors brought us here on is a history where they were not discouraged by persecution. In fact, when we look at any of the 12 disciples, all of them, all of them except one died a horrible, gruesome death early on in life. They were persecuted and they died for it. And the last guy who lived a long life, he was persecuted too and they tried to kill him. And when they tried to boil him alive, he didn't die. And he ends up writing the book of Revelation. That's how his story ends, in long life. But it didn't stop the fact that he was persecuted, nor did he lose courage in faith because he understood his blessing, that God was blessing him. And so what we see today, even in society and culture, is that Christianity, our faith, thrives in places where faith is being persecuted. It thrives, it burns even faster, it grows more rapidly than in a country where... where Christ is claimed as heretical, as illegal. And in America, we shy back. We shy back, discouraged so easily. But that is not our legacy of faith. That's not the legacy that people have given us in faith. We, we, we need to be a blessing. We can't be discouraged because of our faith, because of what people say about us, because of what people think. My, my family, my dad was a pastor. I know many of you know that. Um, but neither of my parents grew up in a Christian household. They, they didn't grow up in a Christian household. My dad's family was Buddhist. My mom's family was sometimes Catholic when it felt good during Christmas and Easter. And so that was, you know, my, my background for my parents. And so when my mom gave her life to Jesus Christ, she was kicked out of her Catholic, somewhat Catholic home, right? Just kicked out. She was a 17-year-old, kicked out of her house for believing in Jesus, right? And then when my, when, when my mom met my dad, and he converted from Buddhism to Christianity, to believing in Jesus. And then he tried to share that same love of Jesus that he got with his Buddhist family. We were completely disowned as a family, like straight up erased from the family tree. Like there's a book and we were erased from it. Our names were once in it, but they weren't anymore. That's how much of a disownment it was, right? And so they disowned my family. And so radio silence, no cards, no phone calls, no news. Right? So imagine you don't have a family that you once grew up with because of your faith. But that didn't discourage my parents from believing in the promises that God has blessed them with, in the promise that God has blessed them with in faith. And so they kept going, blessing, living in faith. They weren't discouraged because they were disowned, but that they kept going in faith. And that's what I'm sharing, and that's what I'm asking all of us to do. Don't be discouraged by faith. In fact, it should be the opposite. We need to be engaging culture, engaging the world with the gospel. And so for 20 years, my parents had no communication with their families, none at all, because of what they believed. Imagine having a lifetime of family and then a lifetime of not. But God is faithful. God is faithful, isn't he? And so what, we, what I want us to see in theory, this is why we can't get discouraged. We, we see this in verse nine in chapter three. Peter says this, and this is a quote from Psalm 34. And it goes, on the contrary, we play evil with blessing because to this you were called that you may inherit a blessing. And this is where Psalm 34 begins. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from 
deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And I don't know why Peter only quotes those three verses from that psalm, but that psalm continues and concludes this way in verse 17 of Psalm 34. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed spirit. These are blessings that God is giving to those who are discouraged, right? Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. And this is the intent of the psalm. This is the intent. This is the idea. We're blessed with God's presence. We have hope. We have hope, right? We're not discouraged by setbacks. We're not discouraged because we're maligned. We're blessed by God and we need to know it. We need to know it this year. We need to know it every single time we're persecuted, every time we're, we're suffering because we're called to engage the world. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 6, I'm going back to, verse, to chapter 4 again. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who were dead that though they're judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. This is a blessing. This is a blessing. We're blessed with the good news of Jesus Christ to change us because we were dead, but now we're alive. And, and that's a blessing from God to have this life, to have this great life that we have. And that's the reason we engage the world with our faith. Not discouraged, not obligated to sin, but to engage the world in love, right? And so look, look at what Peter says in, in chapter 3, verse 13. I'm going backward again. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good, to be a blessing? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for evil. And, and so we engage the world because we're called as God's people, blessed being God's people, being blessed that we are his children and we follow the model that Jesus gives the Son of God in His holiness and His blessing from God engages the world, a world that did not deserve God's love, His kindness, or His mercy. And you know, the reason we share and the reason the people who get baptized here at this church share their testimony whenever we have a baptism is not because, you know, we, we want you to get to know them, but it's because we want those who hear their testimonies of faith be blessed by the stories of God, of how God blesses their own lives. That's why we do the baptisms the way we do. And so you may feel like you're being mocked or, or maybe your morality or ethics don't line up with everybody else and maybe your view of normativity is different than everybody else, but you need to bless them. You need to bless those people just because they're wearing the wrong color tie or they sit on the wrong way or, or they're, they're voting the wrong way. It doesn't mean that you remove them from your life. We don't remove people from our life that way. We bless those people. And I know our tendency is to avoid them. The world is so big, but we need to engage the world like Jesus did. He's the example. He's the example. So I'm going to ask, how are we blessing the people around us as a conduit and as a receiver of God's blessing? If Jesus is our example of loving others to bless them, 
then we need to be a blessing to others. This is what we're called to do. 2022, you want to see God work? Bless others. Chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. I'm going to wrap it up here. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so Peter concludes the same way he started chapter 3, by saying that our mindset, our prayers, need to reflect a mindset of blessing. These are just practical ways to bless people. They're not compelled or distracted or discouraged by sin or by people in the world, but they are controlled, self-controlled and sober-minded to create unity and sympathy, loving one another, compassion, humility for the sake of blessing people. This is what he's recommending. He gives us four very simple ways to bless people. And this is where I want to conclude, right? Um, First is to love one another, to love one another. We say it so often in Christian circles, but what does it mean to to love one another? We know the world needs it. We look at the culture, we look at the division, and we know the world needs to be loved. And as God's people, we cannot lose our sense of love. We, We can't just focus on loving those who agree with us. The entire world needs the blessing of God's love in their lives. I need you to see that, and I need you to embody that. There's this thing, it's a real thing, it's called compassion fatigue. Anybody hear of it? Compassion fatigue? Um, Let let me explain what compassion fatigue is. Compassion fatigue is an emotional and physical exhaustion leading to a diminished ability to empathize or feel compassion for others. It's a real thing, right? And so it's the reason, it's actually the reason why most of us, we're under-involved and unaffected by the trauma of others because we see it so often, we're fatigued by it. And so it doesn't affect us or bother us so much. You have way too much to care for and not enough capacity to care for things that you don't have the ability to care for that you're already not caring for. Right, that's what it is, very simply. And so um, I, I want to explain this, right? Because this is, this is a real thing and I need you to understand, like this, this is my shame. I'm going to share it with you all, right? Um, my two-year-old, I, I had com- compassion fatigue and my two-year-old one day, one night, you know, she was sad, you know, she was crying. And so, you know, in my genuine love as a father to bless her, I told her, no whining. I wagged my finger and I said, no whining, all right? I did, right? And so, you know, my two-year-old, okay, she, she learned that. And so t- she turns around and tells one of her other two-year-old friends the next day, the very next day, no whining, wagging her finger, right? I'm a little proud because the kid was actually whining, right? And so I'm like, man, I did a great job as a father. And then a few days later, what I, and I wasn't really sad or I wasn't, I don't think I was whining, right? I was expressing the sadness of a situation And she says to me, she turns around wagging her finger, dad, no whining, right? That's like getting the middle finger from your two-year-old, right? Like seriously, like, man, I taught you that. You can't use this against me, but but that's what happens. But this is exactly what compassion fatigue is. We we, we lose that idea that, you know what? We we are being judgmental. We we don't love someone. We, We just judge their situation. And so the easiest way, Peter says, to avoid this is to show hospitality. 
Because hospitality, what hospitality is, is simply receiving people without judgment. Hospitality is receiving people without judgment, and then we don't feel stressed out because we're not busy judging them for who they are and their situation. We're just receiving them. We're receiving them without our wacky standards. And so we love them. We love them and we bless them because that's the same way God blesses us. He welcomes us home without judgment. Here's a third way, Peter says, it's to serve one another, to meet a need. I say this every time I'm up here because this is the easiest way to bless people. You don't even have to get involved with someone's situation. You just got to meet a need to bless them. That's simple. You do it. And then here's the last way. Give someone a word of encouragement. Not to speak as you would in criticism, but to love people and to encourage them with the words of God. To use the words of God. Not dividing them, not criticizing what they're doing, but encouraging them with blessing. You see, when Jesus died for us, and we need to understand, we saw the glory of God. We were blessed because the penalty of sin was paid. When he was resurrected, we experienced the blessing of God because sin lost its power in our life. So we're blessed and we bless others with our words and actions because that is our identity as a blessed child of God. We cannot forget that. And because we are a child of God, we are a conduit of God's blessing for people around us. I believe God is gonna bless us and he is blessing us, but he's gonna bless our communities. He's gonna bless our neighbors. He's gonna bless our cities. He's gonna bless our state through us. Because God wanted to bless us. That's why Jesus came down to save us. Not to curse us, not to make us suffer, but to bless us with his love and his presence. And he will get the glory through it in 2022 as a result. I want all of us to believe that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for blessing us so richly with every spiritual blessing. We know that your spirit rests upon us and that's why there's an overflow of blessing in our lives. God, if there are those of us here who, who don't feel particularly blessed because of suffering we're experiencing, because of circumstances we're facing, God, help us see that you are our refuge. In you, God, because that's how close you are to us, you fill us with your spirit and you walk with us. God, fill us with that love so much more today than we can ever understand in these moments of suffering or division, God. Lord, we, we want to choose a life of blessing others as our purpose. We, we want to be a blessing because your love, your blessings transforms all things. And we need to see this world transform as you continue to transform our lives, Father. We know it's a challenge. We, we know to, to experience this type of blessing, we're going to see things and we're going to undergo things. But we believe that just as you bless us with your presence, with your son's love, with your Holy Spirit, that our being with you will bless the people around us. Lord, we look forward to these opportunities that you've predestined and laid out before us this year. Open our minds and hearts. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for becoming 
the greatest blessing that we could ever have imagined. We pray these things in your son's holy name. Amen. We're going to take communion, this meal where God has blessed us to remember. You see, Christ suffered for our sins once and for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he may bring us to God. What a blessing that is. Let's take a moment right now and reflect on God's blessing in our life. Take this bread in remembrance of Jesus using his body to bless us with his sacrifice. We drink this juice in remembrance of Jesus' covenant with us, blessing us with his blood. We're blessed, God, Father, because of your suffering, because of your resurrection, because of your ascension into heaven, sitting at the right hand of God. Our sins were paid, and we're blessed even more so because you sent your spirit to help us. Lord, we love that. We love you. For yours is the glory, the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.